you don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. And we would always like to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform so you can be notified of the newest episodes when they're released. Make sure that you join the Facebook group. Join the group. Join the conversation. We also like to remind... No, that's not what I was going to say. We also like to welcome listeners from all (laughs) over the world and all over uh, the United States and want to thank you. And uh, we have people that have joined the Facebook group from all different walks of life mostly autistic people that have been self-diagnosed so don't be afraid that if you think maybe you know you don't fit the the bill what we want is people to be able to join the conversation because uh you know from our perspective we have you know kind of a unique perspective as a an, an autistic individual myself and then i have an autistic son which rochelle and i share and rochelle is neurotypical so rochelle has a little bit of a new spiel she'd like to get into today just to kind of give new listeners um, some insight as to what exactly they should expect. Yeah, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, You Don't Sound Autistic is a mental and emotional health awareness podcast. Each week we do our best to represent both neuro perspectives and talk about the continual discovery process of life on the spectrum. Our goal is to illuminate, uncover, and transparently discuss life with multiple diagnosis in a multi-generational neurodiversity format. We follow an open, unscripted conversation uh, that represents real life, back and forth, communication and collaboration. Um, We will always kind of preface what we're thinking to some degree, but then if we get tangential, that's normal. So, you know. Just like in your conversation, this us. is just two people chatting, um, and hopefully you find some something good, some some truth nuggets for yourself out there. Um, today, I wanted to start off by talking about something that um, nope, that's not where I want to go, um, and we don't have to go too in depth on this. But uh, while I was looking for a T-shirt online, I was thinking it'd be cool to have a T-shirt that said actually autistic just to kind of rep my peeps. Yeah, that's a phrase uh, I'm starting to see a lot too, actually autistic. Yeah. Oh, it's it's all over the place. Um, and, you know, we also have those bumper stickers that mm-hmm. I made that's oh, uh, yeah. for YDSA, you don't sound autistic. So if you're interested in a bumper sticker, shoot out an email right now. We're still trying to figure out what to do with them. I have like 100 of them. Um, so, yeah, if you want one, let me know. Uh, maybe we can send you one or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, um, so that aside, I, I just, I, I was like, it'd be nice to have something to represent um, the autistic community. So I decided because I couldn't find one that I would make my own. But before I completely gave up on the search, I did find something interesting with the hashtag red instead, actually autistic. And I was a little bit confused. So there were all these shirts on Amazon that were red. Um, like bur- like a burgundy red, and I googled it um, just to try and figure out what it was. And apparently, it's for the um, the people that are against the Autism Speaks group, who a lot of people disagree with their methods, and uh, they're the ones that have perpetuated the uh, autism awareness by wearing 
or not necessarily wearing, but like, you know, during Halloween, they have the blue pumpkins. Yeah, their branding is blue, right? I mean, right. they're trying to create some sort of, um, you know, social recognition. But so I just, I mean, the reason I'm bringing it up is that I was a little bit perplexed and I just wanted to see, you know, especially for the people listening on Facebook, chime in because, um, you know, as much as this is a talk show, we don't currently have the ability to talk to you live, which would be amazing to have people, you know, be able to call in. And eventually we, uh, we are in the midst of trying to get a guest on the show. We are. Um, and that's kind of in the works. But um, in the meantime, join that group uh, on Facebook and you'll be able to let us know you know i'm curious why people are so against i really don't know i've looked it up you know i i understand the the problem with the puzzle piece but when it comes to autism speaks i feel a little bit ignorant when it comes to you know why we're so against it and the reason for that is it's an interesting to me divide amongst the neurodiverse community where you have this one group where people like myself who are you know, you see something like the puzzle piece or you see the light blue pumpkins on Halloween. And I'm just happy that there's awareness in any way, shape or form. But I understand the flip side of that where people are like, yes, we want awareness, but we want people to be accepting. And that seems to be the um, red instead group where it's like, we don't just want you to be aware of us. We want you to accept us for who we are. So, so is that the thing that they're saying autism speaks doesn't also accept autism? I guess No, I'm I think it's more the people that are uh people that see something like a puzzle piece or they see the light blue and they go, Oh, I get it, like you're autistic, but they have no idea what it is to be autistic or what autism means. So you're saying the autism speaks group was formed by neurotypicals representing autistic individuals and therefore they're missing the core of it? I can't say who represents what. I've, I guess I haven't done enough research. I'm sorry, folks. No, I, I haven't. I've horrible. been looking into this myself because um, I keep running across the same thing in the adult groups about autism speaks and I'm, I'm searching for myself. I personally, during our discovery process, when we were just getting a handle on um, autism with your late diagnosis and then five months later with Declan's I, f- I found their site and I didn't find their information to be bad I just found it to be things I had already acquired before I found them so I, I it hasn't been so they're a little behind is that what you're saying yeah I didn't find it to I found it to be surface it's like okay and it you know here's how to do an IEP here's a 504 plan here's how to prepare for your diagnostic conversation and your evaluation like they're all good steps to when you're in the self-discovery process what I haven't really found is anything helpful you know for life after your diagnosis but but that's one thing I found a lot on the Facebook groups is you know people are starting to get diagnosed now and I mean not that people haven't been but I'm starting to see no it's more and more yeah coming out and saying I just got diagnosed and the number one follow-up question is now what right that's what I'm working to solve. Well, now with. what is listen to this podcast? That's what I'm trying to solve with Rochelle Chandler is the now what question. Well, now you got to explain what Rochelle Chandler is. Rochelle Chandler is my golden egg project. It is, you know, what I believe the life mission for me is for the rest of my life is is really solving. Not I don't even want to say it like that. I just want to I want to contribute. No, I want to contribute to the now what question. Okay. Um, and I've been doing a lot of research on a la la lot <laughs> on ever on all aspects of you know how to integrate something like a big reveal of a diagnosis. And it's usually not one diagnosis. When you get diagnosed with autism, it usually comes with you know at least one to 
you know, four or It's five. a grab bag of emotional clarity. <laughs> it's a, they, it needs a lot of support in terms of you've spent your, because once you get your diagnosis, or even if you're self-diagnosed, if you're at any point in time where you're like, I fit the criteria, I know this is my life, adult diagnoses are expensive, the process can be difficult, you know, why go through it if I know that this is already who I am? Um, that's a fair point. But you still find yourself at the very same crossroads of now what? How do you re-evaluate your entire life? How do you address the the self-judgment and the mindsets that were created out of this chapter of your life where you didn't know why you, you were the way you were? And how do you transform that into something that actually helps you move forward and become your best self because you've been kind of like swimming upstream the whole time, developing all these muscles, but at the same time holding yourself back because you're so focused on not fitting in, which is a fair point. I mean, tribally, we look around and go, where do I fit in? It's a belonging conversation. And um, one of the things that I think drives people to a diagnosis is the fact that you've just said, I don't fit in. So where do I? What am I working with? Well, can I jump in there? Please. So... I can just say from my personal experience, when I was diagnosed, I felt completely out of my element. Um, I, I, I honestly thought that autistic people were, you know, this is horrible, but I, I, I just, I was ignorant. And I thought that meant like, oh, you have a mental deficiency in some way. But that goes back to your original um, introduction to autism, which at the time when some of those understandings were created, all we knew were the extremes. All we knew were, you know, we didn't know all the, the gray in the middle and, and what defined the actual spectrum. There wasn't a spectrum. It was an extreme. It was usually autism plus some sort of um, further disability. So, you know, disability, like an intellectual disability or a learning disability or something. There was always something tied to it. Now, that was 30, 40, 50 years ago. Oh, I see. You're talking about you know, in retrospect. In retrospect, yeah, because we didn't have, we didn't know what to recognize and then start. It takes time to really look at a population and start to see trends and for people to stand up and say, hey, I have this and hey, I have this, you know, like it. it's a move. Excuse me, it's a movement. It it's a cooperative experience. Have you been watching did you watch the new season of Love on the Spectrum? I uh, watched the first episode. The US? Okay. So you haven't gotten to Steve yet. No. Steve's like sixty years old. Really? And he's autistic. And uh I actually had a conversation with one of our um listeners on Facebook and that's right, you can talk to me. That's right. It's like talking to a celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, just kidding. But uh, no, we were chatting about just the show in general and the people that we identified with. And I was trying to think, I was like, you know, I don't, some people are more autistic than others. They're further along the line of the spectrum than where I am because I'm allegedly high functioning um, as opposed to someone that might have more um, struggles. Right. And so with people that have more of those struggles, I don't, that's what I always thought of as autism. Like I have a cousin who's autistic and my uncle's autistic. Uh, my cousin is nonverbal. My uncle's verbal, but he uh, is just in a completely different realm than They're both than probably myself. level three. If they were to be re-diagnosed today with the levels, they'd both be level three. I mean, my cousin, I'm pretty sure he was diagnosed as, as autistic when he was really young. He's 
But anyway, that's not my point. My and I'm losing my point, Rochelle. Damn it. Um, what was I going to say? Steve. <laughs> You're talking about Steve. Well, I was trying to get back to that, but yeah. So I don't. I don't. And that's the thing that I like about that show is that I don't necessarily relate to everyone. Like I related to. I want to say her name was Kaylin. Um, she seemed more of like in my boat as far as like a high functioning person where, you know, she was struggling really like with the social aspects of dating and, and, and just in general like that. And then Steve, who um, I believe was late diagnosed and he was starting to date in his sixties. And what's really interesting is that you'll see that a lot of autistic people are very, especially when you know that you are on the spectrum become, I feel like, I'm more self-aware now than I ever have been or maybe I'm, I was always self-aware, but I feel like now there's this, um, there's this thing that I can use. It's almost like someone handed me a decoder ring and I can start making sense of my life. And what I want to say, you know, as far as like, you know, the theme of this episode more or less being actually autistic. Now what Mm -hmm. is that, you got to, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost counterintuitive to someone that's autistic because we're not necessarily the most social people, but we crave being social. Correct. It's very weird. No, it's true. Well, but, but we always crave what we want. Like we, you're spending. Of course we crave what we want. Sorry. I I know that's redundant. What I'm trying to say. John Madden. They have fair point. If you want to win the game, you're going to need to put some points on that scoreboard. I know. I know. My, I'm sorry. I meant that the if there's an aspect of life that we're working on, it's always kind of on a seesaw because because we're working on that aspect of life, we have this tendency to feel like we're bad at it because we're focused on working on it. So inadvertently, even though you're probably doing a better job at it than you think, you, by the just nature of being human, automatically think you're doing worse at it. Because there's some sort of built-in humility that we still kind of face that's invisible that says, well, you're not perfect. You kind of are always reaching for that level of what we consider to be perfect. And, and society's done a really horrible job of creating this image of this unattainable perfection and, and failing to tell the truth, which is perfection is not obtainable and is not the goal it's just something that keeps us spending money and feeling bad and keeps us in a place of fight or flight what I would hope to replace the idea of perfectionism with is the idea of progress and if you start looking at your social endeavors as progress all of the sudden you can start to feel a little bit more like life is possible like you're, you're making progress is a totally different feeling than, oh, I'm not perfect yet. I mean, I've had people in my living room break down into tears when I say, do you know you might be on the spectrum? You, oh, but that means I'm not perfect. It's like, and that's a true response. Oh, I thought they were breaking down in your living room because of your cooking. My cooking is fantastic. I was just you. kidding. No, but, and then I've, I've, that scenario has repeated itself three or four times with different clients that I'm working with and helping them through their discovery process. And, and it's always the same thing. Well, if, if I'm autistic, it means I'm not perfect. And I'm like, what, what is this idea of perfection? It's progress. And discovering that you might be autistic doesn't mean you're not perfect. It doesn't, there is no such thing as perfect. And it doesn't mean you're not capable of reaching progress because you are every single day you're making progress. The difference is how you evaluate your own self 
progress. You're not leaving a lot of room for me to jump in here. I was just going to ask you a question. So when you were first diagnosed. Yes. And you were grappling with what you thought autism meant. Right. And you compare that to where you are now. Mm -hmm. How would you frame the progress you've made in your understanding of who you are? I mean, one of the things that I've been trying to get to is that, you know, it's the, to the, again, to the now what of things. Sure. Is I've joined Facebook groups. I've read books. We're doing this podcast. So I've been doing, you know, research. Um, you know, not everyone's a Temple Grandin fan, but I did find myself um, very much identifying with, uh, I can't remember the name of the book. We've talked about it on a previous episode. Oh, previous I have episode. it. It's called... Um the unwritten rules of social something. Yeah. Do you have it somewhere? Relationships. Yeah. I clean. And, and so I mean, honestly, on. that that book, uh, and Rochelle's going to look for it so we can give you the title of it, but we've talked about it before. But um, I listened to the book and it was it was so, oh, here, here we go. Unwritten rules of social relationships uh, by Dr. Temple Grandin and Sean Barron. And uh, Temple and Sean go through and they tell these different stories. Uh, the underlying uh, title here is Decoding Social Mysteries Through Autism's Unique Perspectives. I highly, highly, highly recommend you buy this book. Um, we have no ties to them. Obviously, there's, you know, we're not getting paid for this. Um, but, you know, if you can find it, you know, go on Audible, download it um, for, you know, whatever. I think you can get an Audible account. Rel- you know, like for 15 bucks or something yeah, like that and y- get a couple yep. credits and buy You can buy it book. on Amazon. Let them read to you. Because um, uh, I know a lot of people that are on the spectrum, we might have other uh, intellectual um, issues. Uh, not to say that we're not intelligent, but intelligence has nothing to do with being uh, autistic, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, like you might be dyslexic and have a hard, like for me, I'm a, I have ADHD as well. So when I go through and I read, like I have to read this, I'll find myself reading and I'll have read a chapter and have no fucking clue what I read and right. it doesn't connect. But when I hear the words, the, um, the aural sensibility that I have is much stronger than my ability to sit and read something. Right. And for some with auditory processing challenges, it may be reversed, but um, the book is available in multiple formats. So I, I personally have both challenges um, in varying degrees. So I like to have both copies. I like to. Yeah, no, but, it's not a good, it's not a bad idea. But I remember when you have first, the book and have them read along. But when you I, first I was got like the book, choking. You, I mean, I literally was choking up listening to it because I identified so much with what right, I was hearing, right? And I felt so connected because I was like, "This is this is so me. This is things things that and and being told my entire life, like my by my mom, like you you just want to be different and you just." You just want, want to be you sick. want to have yeah you want to be sick or you want there to be something wrong with you and I it was like I don't want there to be anything wrong with me I just know there's something different there's something not right here compared to the rest of you people and um yeah I mean it's it, anyway I'd highly recommend the book um and then the, there's other books out there too but just do your research just you know check it out look at the reviews um, Amazon has some interesting reviews, but you can use that Google, take it with a grain of salt, you know, look at the reviews and look, find at, something that at the very least, you know, might be helpful for you, especially like on the ADHD side of things. There, there are books as well. Rochelle's looking at me like I'm talking too much, but you're not. Okay. Hey, I know you got to finish a thought or you'll forget it. I, I know that world. So. Wasn't even done. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think I was done, but I'm done now. 
No, I'm just the one of the things that they said in the book that I found was really striking is that Temple said, um, "It why are we the ones tasked with uncovering the unwritten social rules? We don't we don't understand them to begin with. I mean, we've never we were never taught the social rules. And one of the things that we have to understand about culture is that culture is passed down from generation to generation. Why? What is that? Oh, that's my charger. Thank you. Where's the remote? Hang on, guys. Because culture is so generational, oftentimes why we do things socially is uh, today is so far removed from the original reason why something in the culture was started. Because we don't usually analyze it. We just pass it down. We just teach the next generation how we do things. We don't always say why. And so when something is big, what's going on? Oh, your nipples? Say hi. No. Hello. Oh. When something as big as neurodiversity starts entering the population, in, in especially in the quantities that are happening since 2020, and, and more people are really identifying with different aspects of neurodiversity, our culture hasn't had time to catch up. Rochelle's son keeps interrupting us. <laughs> He's only mine when he interrupts us. That's right. So My I, child is perfect. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just bringing up, this is something I've been spending a lot of time researching because in the what now aspect of, you know, post-diagnosis, I call it, you know, the big reveal. You get this big report and you're basically you know, wondering what the hell to do with it. We're constantly looking for support in a culture, but our culture hasn't been updated in God knows how, how long. So we find ourselves at this, this really difficult intersection of being the ones who need to update our culture together. And so I, I find it really conflicting almost. I guess I don't understand why the red instead movement was created. I don't, you know, but I feel like it's it's uh, autistic people trying to take ownership of their own being, like their own sense of being and not having it be taken over by, like you said, maybe Autism Speaks was created by neurotypical people. Maybe it was. And they're, and they're misunderstanding the point. I really struggle with the choice of the color red, though, because that is red... From just to be very triggering for certain people. It's very triggering. I mean, when you look at the frequencies of colors, red has the highest frequency, which means it has the most amount of input for your brain to process. When you're working with, uh, you know, a neurosensitivity that exists in any type of neurodiversity, red is kind of the most challenging color. Um, it. it <laughs> So purple is actually would have been I I th if I were choosing the color for you. Gay people already took purple. No, they didn't. They, they yeah, they did the purple flag. That's to represent gay, uh, you know, homosexuality. Oh my gosh, there there's only so many colors in the rainbow. You know, we need to share colors. But I'm just orange. Oh, green. Sure. How about it, green? It's just not a catchy hashtag. The red instead is super catchy, but. I'm just I'm just pointing out that we have a responsibility as a group to help change the culture and raise awareness and the and one of the things that I find the most interesting that actually was illuminated in this book is that because you haven't felt like you've been included for most of your life you've always felt like you were chasing an answer to explain why you were different like you just said in 
in that process, it creates a divide. And so there's autism and then there's, you know, there's neurodiversity and then there's the rest of the world and, and it really feels like a separate entity. However, because neurodiversity is genetic and they are going to show how it continues to, um, how do you say it? Like neurodiversity starts in the generational lines um, 100, 200 years ago. And it probably starts with anxiety and depression. And then over time, it just continues to build. That's why every generation has more diagnosis than the last one. And it will continue on that trend. Don't you think it's more that people were probably autistic 200 years ago and that they just didn't have the science? Um, No, I don't believe so. I believe there could have been some. But 200 years ago, they didn't have the high number of chemicals that we have now. What they're proving in today's science from both a neuroscience and an epigenetic standpoint is that there were misconceptions about our genes, the same misconceptions about our brain, the same misconceptions about the the skull, the bones. They thought... What chemicals are we talking about? Oh my gosh, there's like 82,000 chemicals that have been introduced, um, especially in this era, in the U.S. since the Industrial Revolution. So my point is that we used to assume that the cranial bones and that your brain cells and that your genes were fixed from birth. All three of those things have been proven incorrect. In fact, all three of those, your cranial bones do move. They actually adjust over time. Your brain cells are not fixed and your genes are not fixed. And they both can be influenced and even damaged um, and changed and reconfigured based on environmental Uh, factors. So our genes today are not the same genes we had 200 years ago. Now you add anxiety and depression, which we had a lot of reason for. There's the Great Depression. We have multiple wars. Those um, patterns create feelings in the body that become chronic and become signatures and so you're you're wiring and firing certain parts of the brain into fight or flight and the hormones that go with it and we're actually destroying our immune system over time and it's having an impact on our genes so this happens generationally and it's one of those things that we will start to have a better understanding of as time progresses but in the meantime we're left Solving this problem of how do we feel like you, how do you feel like you fit in right now? Are you asking me a question? Yeah. Because uh. <laughs> there isn't really a good answer. How do I feel like I fit in right now? Yeah. What do you mean? Just in, in any aspect. I mean, like you're dating. Right. You haven't found that to be particularly easy. I never have. When I met you, you didn't have any problems dating. I was thin. So. And beautiful. <laughs> and in really good shape. It was easy. I'd just be like, ta-da. And then the ladies came running. So you had more self-confidence back then. Because I was in shape. But I don't think that has anything to do. It hasn't changed your personality. Well, then why? Well, people aren't matching with me on the site. So obviously it has nothing to do. You know what I mean? Like I can't even get to the point where I'm talking to them. And you think that's because of. Of your physical appearance? Yes. Well, that's what people are looking at. You haven't been on dating sites, at least as far as I know. I haven't, no. It's You look at the first thing, that, it's pictures, and you swipe, 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 and then people pop up, and then you see, like, oh, this person's uh you know, then you start, then you, that's when you start reading into, like, what, what the person's into. Well, 
there's a lot of things that have aha gotcha see it is my physical appearance i i mean i i can't speak for everyone um i know and that it, that's and, always and i even factor. tried the uh, autism dating site okay too many autistic people on there <laughs> for my taste that's not fair <laughs> no, i talked to like one person and she was like i'm socially awkward i'm like no shit Right, <laughs> right, because it's difficult to know where you belong when there's so much changing and so much understanding, and I think that's why, I, I, I again, I, I don't. Maybe the red instead is a good movement. Maybe it's self. Maybe it's correcting something that needed to be corrected. I don't. I don't know. I'm going to do more research. I I'm, appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Um, I think anything where we're trying to search for progress and get involved is important. One of the things that can be the most difficult when you're on the spectrum is being able to clearly represent how you feel and tell me more about me <laughs> i'm speaking um not just about you but our son and you know my clients it's a really common piece of feedback is like i struggle to find the words to explain how i feel and this, the downside of that is that if you're struggling to figure out how to communicate how you feel, how is someone else supposed to be able to predict that and fill in the pieces and help guide you through it? One little known fact about people that uh, are autistic is that we use telepathy. So you just got to read our minds. It's super easy. Mm-hmm. I'm sending you a message right now. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I speak nonverbal communication, but it is not the same thing as telepathy. Yeah, well, I try my best. <laughs> but it's really difficult to read someone's mind, especially if you haven't made up your own mind. How is someone else no, supposed to be able to read it? No, that's not to say, because my mind is made up. It's just not always a simple task to verbalize it for you. That's why I'm a much better writer than I am a speaker, because I, I feel like I'm a, uh, I'm a far more... I sound a lot smarter when I'm writing and then someone will talk to me. That's like in class when I was going to school, mm -hmm. I actually had a few times where teachers would read my papers because they're like, I've spoken to you in class and your writing is far above the level that I would expect from a student like you. And then they would like look at my stuff and try and like Google it to see if I had been oh, plagiarizing. Wow. And I'm like, no, that's all me. Yeah. See, there that are, was fun. There are multiple areas of our culture that have to shift that are really dialed into old thinking. And this may not apply to all. And this does not apply to all teachers universally because there are many that are updating their protocols. But the education system as a whole needs to freaking catch up because it is. Did you just call me an a-hole? What? I said the education system needs to freaking catch up. You said as an a-hole. As a whole. Oh, I see. Is that your auditory processing? No, it was me being sarcastic. Thank you. Move on. <laughs> I'm just saying that's one area that needs... Because the, the old education system is so built on compliance. And it's based on this idea of what behavior is. And behavior is defined as the ability to be compliant. Which means that you can stand in front of a room and you can dictate out. And everyone's just supposed to follow directions and be perfect. And not have any needs or any differences. And so a lot of the challenges we have with with um, understanding behavior actually stems from as how behavior is defined in the education system, which is complete crap. You know, you just said the word dictate and it made me think of something. Okay. And I apologize. Sure. It's an old joke that I came up with that's probably been seen before. You know yeah. what happens when you carve a potato into the shape of a penis? Uh, no. You get a dictator. <laughs> Why didn't I see that coming? Sorry. 
Okay. Not going to look at potatoes again. Yep. I just needed to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no I always thought that would make a funny t-shirt. It probably would. Dictator. Um, anyways, that's my tangent. I get I get really upset over the idea of compliance. Now, I it's not like you don't need to someone to be able to follow directions. Like, like hey, let's change a dirty pull-up. You know, like you want to be able to make a request and have it followed. But at the same time, it has come with this consequence of shoving down our emotional needs, shoving down you know, our, our learning needs, shoving down who we are as people to be this uniform compliant version of a person that, that isn't realistic. And I think, and I hope that that's what we're fighting against in terms of raising awareness for the beautiful complexities and differences of the neurodiverse community. And I, and I just hope that we, that, that, we find a way to do it in a in a way that's positive, in a way that is inclusive, in a way that is empowering, um, and not in a way that's divisional and conflicting. Because the more we traffic in conflict, the more we're keeping ourselves in the fight or flight section of our brain, which is actually going to make you feel worse, sleep worse, digest worse, interact worse with each other I mean we're not making progress at that point if if we can find a way to change the momentum and the and raise the awareness and feel good about it at the same time and, and get our bodies into rest and digest where we're where we're healing and we're doing so in an integrative way that's what we want is you know a positive cultural movement because we have a lot of work to do to change the culture and we have to shift it quickly and in the information age, I feel like that's probably possible, but we, the more we stay conflicted and divided, the more challenging it's going to be. I mean, there's no place in history where, where groups stay conflicted and divided and make real, you know, inclusionary process. Sorry, progress. I'm trying to pay attention, but I'm also focused on the next thing. I know. Sometimes, no offense. You talk a little bit too much for my brain. <laughs> I keep talking when I'm trying to wait for you to pay attention so you can jump back in. So there's not just dead air. No, I know. I feel like we've covered this topic. No, you don't think so? I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Jeez, I'm sorry. Now I'm in trouble. She's kicking. Stop kicking me, Rochelle. Don't beat me up. Ah, abuse. <laughs> You're funny. I know. <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I've, I said what I wanted to say on the subject, which was talking about, you know, finding, finding good resources that you can read or listen to joining Facebook groups, get yourself aligned with other autistic people, join a meetup, um, start your own meetup. I was trying to do that. No one wanted to join it. Uh, that's the thing that's really hard. It's like autistic people are notoriously not, we're like a weird group because like we, we want to be social, but we don't want to be social at the same time. And that's, that's a tricky thing, you know, because I know that we have a lot more listeners than we have people on the Facebook group and we have a lot more listeners that don't join in and chime in, um, for whatever reason, I'd be curious to see what that is, but they won't chime in. So I don't know. Yeah. Which is fair because like you said, we haven't had an inclusive culture. So most people probably don't feel safe, which is partly why we made the group private right? to help create that feeling of safety. Um, but there is something, a, a new topic I wanted to kind of jump into, which is something that we've talked about before. It's a little, it's, it's a little off topic, but it's, it's, it's still on brand because a lot of people, 
and this isn't true for just for women, but I found this article that I have a friend of mine who's struggling with depression. And so I was trying to be cool. And so I was doing some research and I found this little article and it's uh, seven care tips for women with depression. But honestly, it should easily just say seven care tips for people with depression. Yeah, sure. Um, Because I I find that it is a Mm co-occurring issue that a lot of people that are on the spectrum have. See, and depression runs very deep in my family, multiple generations of depression, but autism is just starting to come in. So this is a really important place to start. Please yeah. dive in. So number one is take your place in the sun. I'm just going to kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Phrase, paraphrase? Paraphrase some of this because I don't want to read the whole thing. Um, but the idea, and, and this is an important one, you want to get your... I I, I, re- I was dating this girl like a long time ago and her mom was like, you stay inside too much. You need to get vitamin D. And I was like, I take vitamin D. She's like, it's not the same as when mm-hmm. you get it from the sun. It's not. So you need to spend at least 15 minutes a day in the sun. It raises levels of serotonin in your body, which improves mood when you're indoors. Um, it can also help if you sit near windows, get that good sunlight. So if you're inside, don't be uh, a vampire. Make sure if it's daytime and you have sunshine outside, go walk around, take a, take a I mean, you're going to get kill two birds with one stone get a 15 minute walk in Mm because the next one is to exercise um so make sure that you're exercising and make sure you're getting some sunshine um then the next next one is expanding your support system because when you're depressed you feel alone Mm -hmm. but and you you tend to push people away so it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy to a to a degree i think that's probably true um but also making sure that you give yourself permission to ask for help that's a really big one. And so how often did you feel like someone could understand you when you were talking about your de- your depression? I mean, not often. So is it fair to say that sometimes you might need to widen the, how do you say it? Like widen the, the range a little bit and just, we're searching for someone to identify and go, yes, I know what you feel like, but it might not be possible to find someone who knows exactly how you feel, but please don't push away someone who doesn't know how you feel but cares about you and wants you to know that they are there for you, even if they can't fully understand what you're going through. It doesn't mean that they're not qualified to be a support person for you. Right. Uh, the fourth one on here is taking support offline. So social media, virtual meetup groups, and texting can make you feel less alone, but you don't want to rely on these exclusively. You want to get some FaceTime in. You want to go out and hang out with your friends, make some friends, spend time with people. Um, showing up uh, can be a big one. Just just showing up and being present with your friends and your people um, can help. Uh, so Rochelle just left me. I'm all by myself. Help, everybody. Uh, give your body the fuel it needs. Some of these, you know, a lot of this stuff is self-explanatory, but sometimes it needs to be repeated, I think. Feeling depressed and turning to comfort food is common, and I know that I am guilty of this. Understandable, and it's a vicious cycle. Tearing through a bag of chips or a sleeve of cookies can make you feel good in the moment, but worse after the fact. So try to resist overdoing saturated fats, salt, and sugar, working leafy greens, lean protein. You know, honestly, one of the things that I've found is that the Mediterranean diet, which is mostly pescatarian, um, and in lean meats can be a very healthy and sustainable way to eat. Now, sometimes it can be expensive. So you have to buy, you don't have to buy the name brand food. I, I went to the grocery store yesterday and was, um, 
you know, instead of buying the $4 cucumber, I bought the 79 cent cucumber and made myself a little uh, pickled cucumber with my, with my food. And I was like, wow, this is so much cheaper because I could buy one of those every day. Um, let's see. Oh, and, and make sure that you're not skipping meals. Um, you want to make sure that you are, uh, it, especially when you have ADHD, it can be really difficult because you might think you, you, sometimes we forget to go to the bathroom, not to say that we're like peeing on ourselves, but like all of a sudden you have to go to the bathroom and you're like, Oh shit, I really, really, really have to go now. Uh, it's the same thing when you're, when you hyper-focus, you know, you might end up being like, Oh my God, I haven't eaten and I'm start like all of a sudden you're hungry. And that happens to me all the time where I've skipped Oh, I should be eating soon. And I, so set a timer for yourself is something that I found. You can set a timer. Like I need to be eating around this time, set an alarm on your phone. Um, and then you can make sure that you're getting the, you know, getting the, cause you need that nutrition and you need to be able to feed yourself so that your, your body isn't hating you. Um, number six is practice changing your thought patterns. This one I have a hard time with because it's easy enough, easier said than done. What um, they don't go ahead. I'm curious to see if they talk about, I'll just read this whole little bit here. Please. Uh, depression comes with substantial negative thinking. Take a step back from these thoughts and assess how realistic they are and how much time you need to keep spending on them. Be on the look for rumination. If you can't stop thinking about a problem or worrying for hours or days on end, that's ruminating and it's not productive. Consider ways to distract yourself. Amplify the positives in your life instead of the negatives and take a break from beating yourself up to practice self-care. Okay, so that's well written, but it's incomplete. I, I would like to add um, two of the biggest components that create this scenario that they're talking about where you're getting stuck in a rumination process is one, your emotions, how you're feeling, like how you're actually feeling about something, and two, your fears. Because how we feel and our fears will keep reinforcing a negative thought pattern. And so I find it very common that everyone talks about change your mindset, change your thinking, but they don't ever talk about in order to change your thinking, you, you also need to change how you're feeling and how you're feeling can, cre can also be triggered by your fears. And so one of the most important things to do when you find yourself in this kind of a cycle is to stop and go, what am I afraid of? Just, just flat out ask yourself, what is it that I'm afraid of right now? And see Isn't that what they just said? They said to sit and like be with your thoughts and think about what it is that you're thinking and to see how realistic they are. Well, and that's one way to say it, but how realistic can, I mean, you can be talking about like an old trauma and it was, re and you, and you're inadvertently reliving it. But that's not always the same thing as the fear that you're experiencing. It could also just be the fear of the unknown, which is everything that's coming after right now. Well, and that's that's where I'm headed more with it. The fear of the unknown, the fear because you don't have anything to rely on. Um, but the one thing that they talked about very briefly was like try and find things that are that, that are positive. Well, I think an easier way to implement that kind of a statement is to practice gratitude because gratitude actually shifts the body and the brain out of those fear cycles and out of those those negative mindsets and into at least the state of appreciation. And the more you can be in a state of appreciation, if you can do it for a solid like 20, 25 seconds, you'll actually start to feel better in your body. So gratitude, even if you're just gratitude like... Gratitude for what? I mean, sometimes when I'm really... And I don't experience chronic depression, but there are times where I do feel depressed and I'm like, okay, I'll just, what can I be grateful for? Okay, I'm grateful for this coffee mug. It sounds super mundane, but when I, 
when I actually go, you know what? I am grateful for this coffee mug. I love this coffee mug. And I, that turns to the next thing. Well, I'm really grateful for my coffee maker. I love this thing. And it can build momentum and cascade and get me out of when I'm really feeling upset or depressed about something. And it's, it's positive momentum. So just some, you're looking at me like it doesn't work. It works. Mug. You can (laughs) be great. Number seven, talk with an expert. Depression has many causes and many treatments. It can be triggered by genetics, traumatic events in the past, hormonal changes in the present, and fears for the future. Self-care can move the needle, but it's not always enough. Talk with your doctor about seeing a specialist to explore talk therapy and medication. Many people also see results from alternative or complementary therapies like mindfulness, deep breathing, relaxation techniques, aromatherapy, music therapy, yoga, and even laughter yoga. Ooh, I'd like to try that. Mm-hmm. Um, downward doggy style. <laughs> There's some laughter yoga for you. Make today the day you commit to self-care and see how changing one thing can change your whole outlook. That is a true statement. So I just wanted to share that because like I said, uh, a lot of us are dealing with co-occurring diagnoses or, you know, maybe we don't even know that we're dealing with, uh, autism um on top of uh, anxiety or depression or adhd or you know any other number of different issues that might be popping up so sorry declan's come to take his mom away from us again um are we ready for news and pop minute this week all right everyone bear with me bear with me I think that's a really good article. I appreciate you bringing that forward. Sure. All right. News Minute. News Minute. Which I should say News Minute because it's sad news this week. Is it? Another mass shooting. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Twenty. I don't want to go too far into it, but I did have some statistics. But 21 dead in Nivaldi. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Texas at an elementary school. This gives me fears. Um, as of Tuesday, the Gun Violence Archive, which is really scary that there's a gun violence archive, reports at least 213 mass shootings in 2022. CNN and the archive define a mass shooting as one in which four or more people were injured or killed, not including the shooter. This is at least the 30th shooting at a K-12 through school in 2022, according to CNN. So far, there have been more mass shootings than days in 2022. I did not know Including the racist attack at a Buffalo, New York grocery store. I heard about that. A little bit over a week ago that left 10 dead. Tuesday's massacre is the deadliest school shooting since 2012 when 26 children and adults were killed at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut. Yeah, this is what gets me, like, this will trigger my fears in a very, very big way. Makes me want to put Declan in a homeschool. Me too. I just... Not a homeschool, but yeah, I yeah, to homeschool exactly. I I just and it, you can't go anywhere. I mean, school. Why are schools so heavily targeted? Because I don't. That's where people are bullied. Oh, that's, I mean, I'm assuming. I mean, that fits your stories. You don't put me in the. I never did anything like this. No, no, you weren't bullying someone else, but you have been. No, I know, but I'm saying, but don't like. I don't want to be compared to some school shooter guy. I'm just saying, I didn't gonna, have. I, don't, I didn't have. I don't those have ex- the mental wherewithal to go and hurt people. I didn't say you did. I'm just trying to figure out why schools are so targeted because, and it doesn't even matter. Like elementary schools have been targeted, even when 
I mean, it's not like uh, this. Just I, I struggle. I here. didn't want to try to get too into this. I just wanted to bring it up because it is an important news story. Yeah, and it's it, going on. It's let's move on. Yeah, thank you. Um, the baby formula so- shortage is. Uh, which I heard was really only in the U.S., which makes me suspicious. Yeah. Well, who knows? And then monkeypox. I've heard of this one. Um, and so I'm just, I, I just, I just have little talking points for these. I don't really have like the full I mean, details. The there have only been a few cases, I guess, like one or two, and it's just funny. I it was like a hundred in the U.S. No, like when I read this article, it was saying that there was like one or between one and six confirmed cases. Oh. So, I mean, and, and keep in mind, there's so many people in the United States. It's not like... Is this in other countries or just here? Um, I mean, I'm more concerned about us right now just because I don't, don't want to get it, whatever it is. Right. But, um, yeah, it's 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 happened in, in several countries all over the world. Um, just uh, time for round... And, and I think this is still accurate. Uh, round th- three of the free COVID tests. Um, if you go to covidtest.org... That's spelled at C-O-V-I-D-T-E-S-T-S dot O-R-G. And you can get eight free COVID tests per household. Wow. Is that nationwide? Is that worldwide or just? Well, no, it's the United States. Okay. That's cool. So other country, that's the thing. Other countries usually have, most other countries have universal health care. Oh, right. So a lot of that stuff is already covered. I, I understand. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Um, UFOs were in the news this, well, two weeks ago. A congressional hearing was held on Tuesday regarding UFOs, which is a first in 50 years. They are now called UAPs, or as I call them, UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. But we all know they're UFOs, right? Because of the social stigma associated with UFOs, the idea of them hasn't been taken seriously but because of advances in technology, it's quite possible that there are other people, not necessarily aliens, with advanced flying technology that's zipping around out there over U.S. airspace and beyond. Interesting. So this was a, a big thing because they're talking about the fact that Russia um, or China could be flying over the United States with dr- with aerial drones. Oh, I see the name change. Yeah. Finland and Sweden to join NATO. The two previously neutral countries have applied to join the world's most powerful coalition. And that is an historic event. Holy cow. Yeah. Sweden, you said? Finland and Sweden? Sweden. So then, okay. Okay. All right. Pop minute. Sadly, actor Ray Liotta passed away this week. See the guy from? The Goodfellas star was 67. Leota also starred in Field of Dreams. If you remember, he played Shoeless Joe Jackson. That's right. He also starred in films like Operation Dumbo Drop, Copland, Muppets from Space, Hannibal, Blow, Narc, John Q, and The Many Saints of Newark. Right. Lorraine Bracco, who co-starred as Leota's wife in Goodfellas, prayed tribute to him on Thursday. I am utterly shattered to hear this terrible news about my Ray, Bracco said in a tweet. I can be anywhere in the world and people will come up and tell me their favorite movie is Goodfellas. Then they always ask, what was the best part of making that movie? My response has always been the same. Ray Liotta. Wow. And this is kind of a new slash pop minute minute. The Ringling Brothers made the news this week. That's right. After 140 years, the iconic traveling circus shuttered its doors back in 2017. However, in 2023, they'll be coming back. Really? They stopped originally because of dwindling ticket sales as well as the ire drawn from animal rights groups. 
because of the parading of animals like elephants, tigers, and so forth. Mm -hmm. The new show will feature a narrative through line to connect the audience with those performing these incredible acts. The new show will be coming in September 2023 when the circus will embark on a 50-city tour across North America. Wow. So the circus is coming back. So there's a great example of culture being redefined. To, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it was the, you know, the, the treatment of the animals, the elephants, especially mm-hmm. that uh, I think it was PETA and other animal rights groups were saying that was it wasn't right. Uh, so they shut down and uh, yeah, now they're coming back. I loved the circus as a kid. Right. That was fun. Did you go to the circus? Well, I lived down in. Um, you lived in a circus? Stop. I lived down in Tampa and they have the Ringling Brothers. There's like a museum down there. It's down in St. Pete or something. I can't remember exactly where, but yeah, we we used to go. That's cool. Yeah, we went. Um, I remember like they they had the uh, the thing where they had like the big metal ball where like someone stands in the middle and they have like the motorcycles going around and. Driving oh and yeah, and I like the like trapeze stuff. Yeah. Although I'm deathly afraid of heights, so I've always looked. Well, you at don't it, you don't have to do it <laughs> like vicariously. Like, oh look what they can do! They can fly through the air. That's amazing! I can't do that. Ah! Yeah. Right on. All right, I think we'll have a short episode this week. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think um, I think I'm still reeling from some of the pop minute stuff because it's just or the news minute. It's just hmm, lots it, of emotions. Let it digest. I know. Lots it's of tough, emotions. But I'd say we're done for the day. Okay. All right. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And this is episode 39. Woohoo! We'll see you in episode 40. We'll be back. Cue the music.